Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and none could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. Well, here we go again, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to, this is episode number 106 of Sports Cards Live. It is still Saturday night, July the 10th, 2021, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I do want to thank our earlier guest tonight, Josh Luber, founder of StockX. I mean, those insights, his experiences, uh, that was a lot, a lot of fun, I have to say. Really enjoyed the conversation. If you have not, if you did not watch or listen to that episode, you want to go back and do that. Check that one out. All past episodes, as you know, are on the Sports Cards Live channel on YouTube. Go back and check those out. I want to thank the uh, the guests I had earlier on on Hobby Palooza. We had Joe Perot, we had Yamwax, Billy Celio from Upper Deck, and Ben Carlos for joining me. What a what a great show we had. Uh, several hours ago today. It's been a marathon. This is the fourth show I've done today, and we are, and it's, I'm, I'm loving it. This is a great time. Next Saturday, we're going to do the PWCC Premier Auction Watch Party. Adam, the Real 27 guy, and myself will watch the, those 66 lots go into extended bidding, likely to completion, providing some commentary and some analysis. And then after that, we're going to have episode 107 with Peter Pacman and Slabby Sosa. I'm going to go through it again. I do want to thank everybody. We're, we've passed 3,200 subscribers. I do sincerely thank all of you. If you're not yet subscribed, please do so. Podcast listeners, you guys are awesome. You're out there in strong forces. Uh, thank you so much. And feel free to come check out a live show whenever you are able to. Shout out the Big 3 Hockey on Instagram for their support. Be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at the Big 3 Hockey. I'm going to shout out yet again Slab Shelf for that unit right there. Sending me that. John Slabshelf sent me that. It's awesome. Check out slabshelf.com. And I want to shout out Hobby Palooza for having me on earlier this morning with the panel, Bench Clear Media for organizing. Check out the hobbypalooza.com for the whole schedule of programming tomorrow, 12 hours of live stream. All right. Let us get to tonight's guest. He started, and now I wrote this myself, Frankie. I know you can hear it, but we can't see you. So forgive me. But he started collecting in 1992 with a focus on Michael Jordan cards. He owns a hobby shop in San Juan, Puerto Rico called Collections. We're going to go ahead and bring him out. There he is, Frankie Gonzalez. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing? It's late for you. It is. It is a little bit late, but I'm hyped to be here. And thank you for having me here, Jeremy. 
It's 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 my pleasure, Frankie. I mean, we've uh, we've known each other sort of for a little while, and let's just jump right into that. So we met. I believe we met through a group chat that we are both members of on Instagram. That's been it's still going. I think a new a new person was added to it today, actually. But we was been there for a couple of years already. Is is that how we know each other? I'm, I'm legitimately asking. I think so. It is. It is. I mean, I know that I started watching your show before we got added to the chat. Uh, but basically, we've talked a lot through it, and we've gotten to get to know each other uh, through the chat. So. It's been great. I mean, it's probably one of the best chats out there. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm only in a couple, so I, I I don't know how I don't know how how a lot of the other ones operate, but uh, but it, it is it is a fun one to be in for sure. Um, so the other thing, the other sort of um, familiarity I have with you was that you were on an episode of '90s B-ball Cards with Jake Roy probably like a year and a half ago or so maybe yeah. even two years ago now and about a year and a half year and a half okay so i remember being out for a walk with my family one day and uh and i i, you know, I got my phone in my pocket i got one earbud in and i'm you know i'm kind of watching it's a youtube video so i'm kind of watching i'm listening to it and i was just really impressed with both you both you but jake too did a great job talking to you and um, and just really getting out of you, uh, your you know your your deep understanding and um, and passion for Michael Jordan cards and the hobby. Um, so can, do you just want to like speak to that experience with Jake Roy and how how you came out of that interview with him kind of feeling? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Jake is great. I mean, talking '90s cards with Jake is probably one of the funnest things that you can do in this hobby. Uh, he knows he has a ton of knowledge. And he basically got a hold of me through Instagram and we started chatting up and he said, look, I want to bring uh, a couple of collectors interviews and stuff like that. So would you want to be the first one? And I said, hey, let's go. I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, it's always fun to to talk about what you love and collect, right? If you're passionate it about it, it's easy to talk about it. It's like it's like. Um, I heard a comment earlier today on one of the Hobby Palooza shows. Uh, it was actually Marcel said it. He's from the Awesome Shop, a uh, new store in Vegas. And he said, and it's, this is something we've all heard before, but he said it today. He said, if you if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, you know, it kind of, if you have the opportunity, if you love the hobby and you can work at it and be successful at it, it's like, are you really working? I mean, sometimes I guess it's a it's, yeah. it's a tough line to, 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 to really balance on because, it does become work because you're using it to feed your family and all that, but hopefully it's a very enjoyable job. So, Oh yeah. So, okay. You, uh, you happened to watch this last episode that we just had with Josh Luber. I did. I did. It was a great episode with Josh. It was yeah, great. Thanks man. I I'm going to, I'm going to actually say, I think so too. You know, usually I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with just about every episode I've ever done, but um, I really enjoyed that conversation. So, uh, so yeah. So, what you know when I'm doing these shows, I'm I'm so in it that I don't necessarily remember everything that went on and everything that. So, what were a couple of takeaways that you had, or anything really stick out to you? I was very interested in the conversation you guys had about the marketplaces because, like we all know, eBay has basically been the go-to place for sports cards probably for the last twenty years, give or take. 
And the fact that there's so many new people trying to start up uh, marketplaces, it's an interesting development in the hobby because as a store owner, for example, it makes it a lot harder to find comps for cards. A lot of comps go, go under the radar, basically, either from auction houses or uh, marketplaces that are not so well known. So the fact that we're getting so many, yes, it's a good thing for the hobby because it does show growth. But at the same time, stuff gets lost, you know, a little bit gets lost in, trans in translation because you don't get to find the cards that easily. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they're, they're coming up with it. Yeah, for sure. I know this whole, this whole, you know, and Josh and I didn't really touch on the whole comp side of things as much as we did the fundamentals uh, of these companies. But I know just in, in you know, listening to and talking with the, the card ladder guys that it's a big, it's an issue for, they see it as a, as an inefficiency in the overall marketplace that there's just so many different places and not all the eyeballs are on all the cards all the time. So if somebody knew what was going on, we might actually see, you know, higher prices. Like you just can't keep track of all the different platforms, I think is, is really what it comes down to. So yeah, yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. Um, okay, man. So let's um, let's let's hear a little bit about you and your history in the hobby. I mean, we we've already kind of spoiler alert. You have a shop, but uh, let's hear about how did you get in the hobby and take us through kind of uh, from your childhood till uh, opening your store. Well, I started collecting in 1992, uh, basically almost at, right after the Bulls won their second title. Uh, so by 1993, I was already a full-blown collector. I focused on MJ. And it's actually pretty funny and weird in the, at the same time because back then in 1993, there weren't that many cup card companies. Yes, we had Opera Deck, we had Fleer, we had Skybox, NBA Hoops, but there weren't that actual many cards produced, uh, different cards, I, I should say, of MJ. So at one point by 1993, just before MJ retired, I found myself actually owning a copy of every major uh, product released, exclude except the Fleer 57 and the Star Cards. So when he retires, I was like, "Well, what am I gonna do now?" You know. <laughs> so I got a little bit into Penny Hardaway, like I know a lot of basketball collectors did back then, uh, but I still kept buying MJ cards. When he got back in 1994, 95, then all everything went out the window, basically. You know, all the inserts started coming down, all these new cards, the parallels, and the market really, really opened. I basically stayed with MJ. Uh, I did develop, by 1996, uh, a side PC of autograph cards. And this is basically one of the things that I'm most grateful to trading card companies was the fact that they started including autograph cards in packs. You know, being in Puerto Rico, you don't get to go to many NBA games. The leagues doesn't play down, don't play down here. So there's no, no way that I can get an in-person autograph or anything like that. So when autograph cards started coming into packs, I went nuts and I decided to collect them as much as I collected MJ. I basically dropped Penny and then started collecting the autograph cards, focus on MJ, uh, kept buying a lot of the inserts, a lot of the base cards, tried to get my hands on as many cards as possible. Now, back then, during the 90s, I had probably like five different shops within 15 minutes of my house. 
which was great. Over time, those shops started to close down by the end of the 90s, early 2000s. So that kind of changed the scene down here in Puerto Rico a lot. But at the same time, it gave the opportunity for other collectors to come up. So it's been a, a definitely an interesting journey. I still collect MJ and I still collect a lot of the autograph cards, but I'm a little bit more selective on what I collect for the autograph PC right now. Yeah. Cool, man. So I want I want to dive into that a little bit further. Before we do, let's go to the chat and just say hello to everyone who's joined us. We got Pittsburgh. What's up with you? Jordan Riker says deja vu. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely a hockey guy. Good evening. David G says, good evening. Watching the wife Frida tonight. Watching with wife Frida. Hey, good evening, Frida. Uh, Jordan says, is this your record for most shows in a day? I mean, it's four. This is the fourth show I've done today. It, it must be a record, Jordan. I did the Hobby Hotline show this morning. And uh, then I did the, the Hobby, Hobby Hotline on Hobby Palooza. Then I did my own Hobby Palooza. Josh Luber, now Frankie. So, Yes, I think so. Lee Haskins, uh, like the Slab Socks video. That was, it was a, if you mean Josh Luber, he was with Starstock. Sorry, sorry, Stock, Stock X. X. My bad. <laughs> Stock X. And I know these all, these names have so much in common. So um, I, I, I can't blame you, Lee, if that's what you meant, because I, I just got it wrong myself. Uh, new store in Vegas. Yes, Marcel uh, just opened up the new store now. He owned a store way back for about 10 years, and he's, he's back in now. Hockey Guy says, amazing how all these things are starting. And eBay keeps getting in its own way. Yeah, I mean, I think that eBay's, you know, they're working, and and you know, ah, that's a whole thing. But yes, they, I think they have, I think they have a plan, but their execution and communication is where they failed uh, yeah. so far. We got there. We go. There's Adam. Hey, Adam. Uh, hey. Thanks for joining. Says, show me one person who doesn't like Frankie Gonzalez. One of the best guys around. Thank Chad you. Chipper says, hey, Jeremy and Frankie, hope Hobby Palooza went well today. Miss it all due to work. Yeah, uh, Chad, it will all be on YouTube. I mean, my episode will be on YouTube and podcast, and all the other ones will too. If you want to see the other participants, uh, go to thehobbypalooza.com. And also, it's a full day of programming tomorrow as well. Steve, sir, good evening, collector. Hey, Steve, great to have you back. Mike Wick, how is the walk? Hey, this is a great question. This is for you, Frankie. How is the walk-in business? Just curious if you have had a lot of new collectors come in within the last year and if the walk-in traffic has increased. Uh, yes, actually, the walk-in traffic has increased. Uh, I will say that it's been a challenge because with the explosion on the investment side of, collector, of collections, uh my first idea and my first thought is always to educate the buyer. You know, I get all type of customers. I get someone that walks in and look, I want I, I saw the sports cards, I saw the Pokemon cards, I want to start getting into it. Can you give me any recommendations on it? And I also get the other side of the coin. Uh, which are the cards that are gonna be most valuable in two years? You know, and the investment side of it, people looking coming in to invest. And it's been fun juggling a little bit of both. You know, uh, some people do listen and take the advice. Uh, a lot of people come in with questions about grading. And most of the time I do a pre-screen of the cards and I comment that, look, don't send this now. You know, now it's gonna send, cost you 200, $300. If this comes back to a PSA 7, a PSA 8, you're not gonna make your money back. You know, hold off for a little bit, or if you get a big card, then definitely let's send this one in. Uh, but definitely the last year has been incredible. And it's not just sports cards, trading card games like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, 
uh, Magic the Gathering. We got Funko Pops that have been steady for several years right now also. Uh, comic books are making a comeback. So it's all around, basically. Awesome. And I do want to dig into the store a little bit more. A couple more comments I do want to address here. First, Victor, welcome, says, como estamos? Saludos. Ah, I hope I read oh, that yeah. right. I don't even know. Logan, great to have you back, buddy. Logan was on the early uh, Hobby Hotline version uh, on Hobby Palooza with me earlier today. He says, Frankie, given your geographic location, do you worry about Mother Nature and natural disaster? I asked you the same question. <laughs> yes, that was we coming do. up. Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, has Have you all known Puerto Rico usually gets hit by hurricanes every couple of years? Uh, even before the hurricanes, the climate down here is incredibly humid. So protecting the cards and protecting collections is basically very, very important. I mean, if there's one aspect that I like about grading cards is protection first. You know, the cases protect the cards from humidity. Uh, they have UV protection, but getting flooded and hurricanes, it's definitely a scary situation. You know, every time that somebody that they announce a big hurricane that's going to come to us, I basically just make sure everything is at my bank vault, safe and stash. You know, uh, I got all the important stuff stuck away in high places and stuff like that. So, uh, but other than that, thankfully, you know, we can manage, we can manage. Right on, right on. Uh, Eric wants to know, does anyone collect hockey cards in Puerto Rico or just the other three main sports in soccer? Actually, baseball and basketball are the biggest ones. Not many hockey collections down here. I've been, I've owned the shop for two years and I've only came, come across one hockey collection in those two years. Uh, we usually don't get any hockey cards, not even in Walmarts anymore. Uh, we did get them uh, back in the day when Toys R Us brought them but not a lot of big hockey fans down here. Uh, we do have a lot of baseball. Puerto Rico has a rich history of baseball players and basketball players. Football and soccer has started to gain some ground, but miles behind baseball and basketball still. It's that, That's still one more collection that I was expecting you to say. So it's, uh, it's yeah. more than zero. So that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm cool with that. Jordan says, uh, yeah, Jordan, I'm not showing any signs of being tight. Where did the energy come from? And Jordan, I did not get enough sleep last night. I was worried. I was ready to take a take a nap after dinner tonight. But uh, it comes from just doing this, man. Just uh, having a good time. It's 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 just I'm having fun. What can I say? I'm having fun. Gareth, are PSA slabs watertight? I think they're meant to be, but I don't I don't yeah. know if they are. They okay? Good to know. Yeah, I've actually submerged a couple of them and BDS labs. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't leave them underwater for a day, but. They can definitely withstand a couple of minutes or a couple of hours on the water. Now, caveat to that, though, if you have one and you drop it on the ground, and I'm not saying it shatters, but if you have one and it drops yeah. on the ground and there's a, a crack in it somewhere that you may not even be able to see, water will likely be able yeah. to permeate that and uh, it will no longer be. And I just say that because there was an issue recently, you know, in the last six months or so where this actually happened and uh, it was a big fuss was made about it on, on Instagram. Yeah, Mike. Mike Wick says, uh, if any of your customers followed your lead and bought Jordan cards, then you probably made a lot of friends for life. Can you speak to that? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the biggest showcases I have at the store is basically, of course, MJ cards, uh, followed by Kobe, and then LeBron. Uh, that's basically on the basketball side. Uh, it's a little bit 
interesting how new collectors approach MJ because a little bit of uh, some of the new collectors basically are either nostalgic that they're like, oh, I had that cat, that car has a kid and I can get one now and keep it instead of, you know, throwing it away or something. And new collectors, I try to let them know, you know, market wise, if you're in it for the money and trying to invest, Jordan and Kobe are, and LeBron, they're solid investments, you know. No, you're not gonna buy a ten dollar card today, and it's gonna be worth two hundred dollars next month. Takes time, you know, but you're not gonna lose your value overnight either. You know that's very important with today's new prospect and the way the modern cards move. It's a higher risk, and uh, I saw earlier the uh, the Acuna that Acuna basically got hurt, torn ACL. He was very very hot. I was selling Acuna's every single day so basically i'm getting ready now to start buying them back tomorrow <laughs> so but still he's a solid player and if you got a long-term outlook on him you should be holding the cards and actually you should be trying to get on a lot of the newer cards that you were missing a lot of the rarer cards for a better price now yeah. i mean i recently bought my first modern card and it's i have to thank christina from card ladder for helping me out picking that one it was actually it's actually a luka Doncic rookie nice the car at one point was up to about 400 dollars, and right now you can pick one up for about 140 175 dollars so i i told myself yep yeah, you know it's the time you gotta pick one now could it go down probably could go down to 100 Come next season when he starts playing, it's going to go up. Now, I'm not looking to sell that one. That's basically staying in my PC. But if you're actually looking to invest, then you should have that that outlook, that long-term outlook, you know, not just wait a week and try to sell the card again. Yeah, well, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think with Acuna's injury, you're going to have, a, mm -hmm. you know, you should have a buying opportunity. But like Josh said in the last episode, a lot of people might think that way and it might not be as as lucrative as it would otherwise be for when he ultimately comes back. And if he gets back on track, starts performing again. So, and that, but then you gotta be careful. He could get hurt again. You know, these things do happen. So hopefully people are diversified and all that sort of thing. Um, oh shoot, you said something that generated a question and I just forgot it. So let's go to the, let's go to the next comment we have, which is from Jordan Riker. He says, what is the F1 market like in Puerto Rico? almost non-existent uh any collectors that do buy f1 cards they get them online but i don't get any type of demand for sealed product or singles for that market right now so i remember the question i just forgot and it was because you said that that luca card is going to be for your pc as a guy who has a a hobby store and i say hobby store more than lcs because you sell things other than sports cards yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that. But as somebody who does sell sports cards, how do you know what you like when when you buy something? How do you balance that line between a card you acquire for your PC versus a card you acquire for your store's inventory? Uh, they're basically completely apart. You know, I don't buy any of my cards uh, from personal collections that are brought to the store. If a card suddenly shows up in a collection and I need it for my MJ PC, for example, then I'm, I am very responsible with my business in that sense. You know, I buy the card, 
the store buys the collection and then i put myself in the customer's shoes and i buy the card from the store you know the store needs to make money it would be pretty easy for me to just you know pay the store exactly what the store bought the car back for but at the same time you need to be responsible with your business so i make sure do i give myself a discount of course i'm not gonna lie about it you know but yeah. at the same time yes i do buy my own stuff from the store it's not just just taking the car away you know one of the a couple of, about a year and a half ago ago i got the chance to do that with one of the biggest mj cards that i got and I, you just couldn't let that one pass, you know. That card walked into your store? It did. That's it looks a, like the holder's too big for it or something. Is it falling down or what's going on there? This is actually a new promo holder that you can oh. actually store the card with the sleeve. Right. So the way the card is stored, you can actually sleeve it and you won't get the card moving and the card won't scratch or anything. Awesome innovation there by uh, by Promold for sure, for sure. Uh, Jordan, uh, no, I'm still sitting on two F1 Chrome cards that I've the only two I've ever bought, and uh, they should be here soon. I'll have a probably have a pretty nice mail day of uh, accumulated cards at my U.S. mailing address and from the PWCC vault that have, that are all on their way here uh, as we speak. Uh, and Mike Wick says, how often do you have people bringing in their collections to sell? And what are some of your most memorable purchases that you've made uh, from walk-ins? Uh, yes, I actually get almost collections brought in almost daily. Uh, collecting during the 90s here was very, very popular, uh, especially baseball, because we had a ton, one of the best classes of Puerto Rican players in the majors. We had Carlos Baerga, Juan Gonzalez, uh, we had Ruben Sierra, we had Carlos Delgado, Ivan Rodriguez, Roberto Alomar. We had, you know, what we call the Puerto Rican dream team. Yeah, and a lot of people collected during the 90s. Downside to that is most of it is what we call the junk wax. Yeah. So picking up collections, I do probably see about three collections per day. Uh, there is, though, a lot of old-time collectors here. And probably one of the most memorable collections that i've bought included this card Ooh, a 1951 mickey mantle bowman 52 52 mickey mantle bowman and Ooh. it was a full set that oh, collection yeah. it was a full set of bowman and that collection had sets all the way from 1960 to about 1975 and all the Mickey Mantles, all the Clementes, uh, it was an incredible collection. Sadly, it wasn't in the best condition that possible because it was basically a collection from a family member who had passed away. And the family just basically took the binders, put them in plastic boxes and left them, left them outside almost. Uh, yeah. some, of the, some of the cars got water damage and stuff like that, but still, you know, I was pretty much able to save a lot of the sets, thankfully. That's real. That's amazing. What a, what a great buy that was. Uh, Chris Hayes, welcome, says sick credentials, MJ. Yeah, no. Thank you. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm curious, like, oh, oh wait, sorry. Uh, I thought that was a, oh boy, I'm behind on comments here. Okay, so let's let's go to more comments here. Okay, I have three let's comments that appeared in a, in a flash there. So first of all, Jordan says, what are both your thoughts on grading one of ones? Why don't you take that one first? 
I would grade one of ones. It wouldn't matter the grade to me. I just want them protected. You know, when when it's the only copy in existence, it could be a PSA seven, a six, a five, a ten. There's just one of them. So you know, you want the car protected. You want the car to be safe. Uh, value wise, I don't think the grade on a car like that is gonna be a big factor because again, there's no other car to compare it to. Yeah. My take is it's a really a personal preference. It depends what you're, why you would do it. You know, if you have a collection of, let's say it's a one of one, I'm going to use myself. I have, I collect some, let's call it Wayne Gretzky cards. And I collect a whole bunch of like rare insert Wayne Gretzky's. And let's say I purchased the one that just sold. I didn't buy it. It sold a few months ago was the, um, the, the flare showcase, uh, I forget all the words, but the one of one, the yeah. masterpieces. Now, if I have in my Wayne Gretzky collection, I have a whole bunch of cards. They're all rare inserts, numbered, unnumbered, whatever. And they're all graded. And this, this one of one is part of that same section of my PC. I'm getting it graded. Of course I am. There's no doubt. I am. Do I care what the grade comes back as? No, I do not. But yeah. let's say that I'm starting to dabble in football cards and I decide I'm going to one buy one card of each player I care about. And let's say I want a nice Barry Sanders card and I want a nice uh, Barry uh, Emmett Smith, maybe a Dan Marino, a John Elway, a Joe Montana, all these different awesome guys, right? From the, you know, the played in the 80s and 90s type of thing. And, you know, but they're, they're all kind of, I'm going to take one card from this set, one from this set, one from that set. I'm not talking about rookie cards here, obviously. And I end up picking out a one of one. One of the nice cards I get is a one of one. Well, I'm either going to get, I'm either going to decide for myself, well, are all the other cards in this new, like, little collection, are they all great? Are they all graded or not? If they are, I'm probably going to get it graded. If they're not, I'm not. So it just depends what cards, what collection are they joining? And are those cards already graded? So those are my thoughts. It's really a personal preference. I've heard some people say there's no reason to grade a one of one. Well, that's just that's just very narrow-minded and, and just, yeah. just incorrect. And it, it's very, um, you're just projecting your valid opinion on the rest of the hobby, which is invalid to me. So that, that those are my thoughts on it. Mike says, beautiful collection. That was amazing. Even if it was in bad condition. And I agree. Even if yeah. there was water damage, it's like cards from the 50s, it just adds character. Like in It your, does. Right? It does. I mean, uh, I don't care if it comes back. I'm going to get it graded eventually. Uh, I do want to grade the whole set just because I think it's a really beautiful set. And I don't care if they come back just authentic. You know, PSA 1s and authentic, I'll take it. You know, it's, and it's a one-of-a-kind set and try finding a complete set of 1952 Bowmans out there in the market right now, any condition, and you're going to have a hard time, you know. And if you're going to sell them, you're now going to be yeah. able to open up the the um, opportunity of ownership of these cards to so many more people because they're just so much more affordable. So it's a, exactly. it's just good all around for sure. All right, let's keep going. The, the chat's on fire, guys. Great questions. Kyle Brown says... When you are buying collections, what types of strategies do you use to determine a price that you will be able to make a profit off of? Do you look for specific things? Can you speak to this one? Yeah, definitely. So my buying process is pretty transparent in that sense. You know, uh, one of the first things that I tell any of the sellers is 
I know you probably saw some of the cards on eBay and you know that I'm not going to give you, you know, 100% of the market price because I have to make a profit for the store. Depending on the card, I'm going to be giving you uh, either 80%, 75%. If it's bulk, I might not even take it, you know, just because I have a lot of it. If you bring a case full of 1952, now 1992 tops baseball comments, I'm probably going to pass on it. Now, determining price, uh, my first, the first place I'm going to be checking is cart ladder. Uh, if uh, the cart isn't cart ladder, then that saves me basically like 45 minutes of research. You know, if not, then I got to go to Terra Peak on eBay. Uh, I'll go to the Beckett magazine even, even if, I, if they are a little bit updated sometimes. Some of the cards, especially common ones, you're better off getting a base price and a sense of the price from a Beckett magazine than from eBay where you can find one card sold for 99 cents and $5 shipping and another one sold for $8 free shipping. And so it's basically depending on the card, that's where you're going to go check uh, more common and base cards. I just have a fixed rate. Uh, like if I'm buying bulk, you know, I'll say, well, I'll take bulk at two cents each per card. It doesn't matter the player. It doesn't matter uh, the set or anything. Uh, most of those cards, I do repackage them into smaller $1, 10 card packs that I sell to the kids. That way I get to have something that's pretty cheap for the new generation to get into it. And some of the kids just want to get cards in their hand. So I just take that bulk and put 10 cards in a team bag. I put a semi-star on the front. You know, you're not going to get, of course, an Acuna or you're not going to get a Tatis or one of those packs. But still, you're going to get some cards in the kid's hand. Kids get a chance to experience what is opening a pack, even if it's a, you know, a repack product. I love, I love what you just said. I you gave you a little hand there because there's all, always talk, and I've, I've heard it throughout the day on, on Hobby Palooza about how, you know, the hobby and kids. And, well, you're, here's a guy with a shop. And I know other people are doing this too. Other shops are doing it. Basically making custom packs to give a kid yeah. that, that pack opening experience, even though it's not a, a factory pack. It's a, it's a custom pack. And I've even seen some shops go as far as having their custom wrappers made and doing it that way, which is, I think, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, we'll go to some comments. Joe says, moisture is a thing for those of us who live near the ocean. I'm sure it, oh, it yeah. is, for sure. Victor wants to know, Canada all the way to Puerto Rico. Jay Lee, how did you meet tonight? Well, we did talk about it earlier on in the episode, Victor, but basically through an Instagram um, uh, chat room that we are both uh, members of is is how it came. I think he found my show, and I I saw him on an episode of uh, 90s B-Ball Cards with Jake Roy. So that would be that's how. Uh, Triple V says, have you come across any oddball sets from like 50s to the 60s food and beverage issues or Venezuelan tops cards at your store? Not yet. Not yet, but I do keep an eye out for them. Uh, it's interesting because uh, at least for the Venezuelan sets, I would have thought that I would find a lot more of them. And I've actually found more of the Milton Bradley tops cards than I have the Venezuelan ones. Mm. And it's interesting because the market here in Puerto Rico works in a very weird way. You know, for most of, for most things were considered part of the United States. So the mainstream products that we get here are all from the U S if we're going to get product that comes in another language or is distributed in another region, then it's considered foreign product, even if it's in Spanish, for example, 
but it happens a lot with uh, trading card games, for example. Uh, one of the funniest things for Pokemon, for example, is that for the organized play in the tournament scene and actually playing the cards, we're under the US organized place re play region. So we can't use cards in Spanish. Mm. And some collectors like them, but a lot of the people are gonna go, well, I prefer them in English, you know? So there's not a lot of oddball sets that I've found around here. Hopefully I can still find a couple of, in some more collections that I have pending to be brought to the store. All right, sounds good. Kyle Browns, thanks for the answer on the pricing. Uh, and here, okay, Jordan, it's a good question. How do you see the sports card market evolving in Puerto Rico over the next three to five years? I think it's going to continue to grow. Uh, Puerto Rico has a lot of great collectors. You know, even though the trading card shop scene died a little bit by the late 90s, early 2000s, most of those collectors actually then flock to Facebook groups, to eBay, to forums. And there's a lot of great collections down here. I mean, uh, you can remember about a year ago almost that Shine and Golden found the Puerto Rico collection where you had all the one-on-one -on -one exquisite Jordan cards and the Braun cards. And uh, Nat Turner bought some of, part of that collection, for example. Uh, Shine, I know he also bought some of the cards. So there's a lot of great collections here. I know several collectors, for example, that have Clementa collections that they even own a piece of the aircraft where he crashed. Wow. And those collections are basically sealed, you know, and some of them over time have gotten to the United States and been sold to other collectors. But I do see the market here growing even more. You know, if we can get packs at an affordable price, hopefully, <laughs> yeah, we can keep growing it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Joe says, Frankie's a real pro. I'm going to skip down. Thank you for that, Joe. Skip down thank to you. Colin because he says, thanks for joining the show. Your expertise and thoughtful approach is evident. Are the cards the big seller in your collectible shop or other products? Uh, other products right now. Uh, right now, Pokemon has been growing for the past six months to a year at an incredible, insane pace. Uh, but I do sell other stuff like vintage toys. Uh, I do work with coins and I do work with uh, comics and modern toys also. So cards have their following right now, but it's something that I'm working on growing. I'm working my, my stock, trying to grow it. Uh, right now, for example, on baseball, I have cards starting from 1952 tops to the present and basketball, I think I'm at 1971. So I'm trying to organize everything by players. Uh, collectors here collect in weird ways, what I call weird ways, but I really enjoy them. I have uh, one of the collectors that I enjoy the most is he's building sets of every baseball player that has 300 RBIs. And he's building another collection of every baseball player who had 30 home runs in a season. And then he makes another one with 50 home runs. And then he goes another with uh, 300 stolen bases, for example, or stuff like that. And he just keeps buying the same stuff sometimes over and over again because he's building his own unique collection. You know, he's giving, he doesn't care if the card is a little bit bent or a little bit damaged. He doesn't care if it's a, quarter card or if it's a $10 card. He just wants to build his collection that way. 
We also have collectors that focus on Puerto Rican players. We've had a lot of Puerto Rican baseball players uh, through the decades, so some people focus on that specifically. So we do have a, like a regional approach, like you were talking with Josh, sometimes th that regional approach uh, affects the market, but we're also a lot influenced a lot by the US market. So yeah, LeBron is a big thing here. You know, Kobe is a big thing here. Jordan is a big thing. Uh, Luca, right now, Devin Booker is on fire, you know? So it, the market here moves a lot with basically what's hyping, so. Okay makes a lot of sense right that's that's the way it is it's yeah. especially in today's day and age where we you know even in puerto rico we all have access to the same information right yep. so it makes makes good sense to me mike wick says i used to love the mystery packs as a kid brown bag special as cards at card shows kids love that glad you are doing that i think it's awesome as well and uh hockey guy says what who what or who is hot in puerto rico card i mean you've kind of spoken to this but let's focus on the second half what are the kids after these days uh basically they're kids that are under the age of six 18 to 16 are focusing a lot on pokemon cards i do have a lot of young adults uh age range 18 to about 28 that also are focusing on pokemon cards because these are the cards that they enjoy were when they were kids so the trend that I'm seeing right now, and this is probably the, you, something that you can see in other markets, is that the new generation is basically going back to those, those things, whether they're toys or cards that they used to have or couldn't have as kids. And they're focusing on them. Same way we did, for example, uh, I collect Jordan cards from the 90s because that's why when I was a kid and those are the cards that I wanted back then. Those were the cards that I enjoyed so that's the stuff that i'm focusing myself in and you're seeing that trend happen all over again with those collectible items from the 2000s and early 2010s cool okay i want to just see what we have frank yeah we did that one already uh sanderson eric if you're still there good night and thank you for joining always great to have you and to see you pick four guy wants to know frankie how are soccer cards selling in uh in puerto rico they're selling pretty well right now. Uh, it's usually more uh, seasonal, to put it in a sense, uh, because basically when we got the big World Cups and when we got the big World Tournaments, then there's a, a growth and explosion of interest in soccer cards. Uh, but overall, soccer is pretty popular here, so they're doing they're doing great right now. And like you said before, if it's hyping in the U.S., it's probably hyping there to, exactly. to a degree, right? To a degree. Uh, I agree with Victor on Joe's uh, great question that we're going to put up right now. Basically, he's asking, do Puerto Rican collectors support all Latin American stars or really biased towards Puerto Ricans? Uh, no, actually, uh, we have uh, a lot of collectors that focus on, his, on Latin American players, uh, Dominican players, Cuban players uh, from Panama, Venezuela, from all type of sports. Uh, we do have a lot of Puerto Rican players that have been playing since the 50s in the league. So there's a uh, pretty big rich tradition on that. But yeah, we basically collect, you know, I have collectors for everything. And I do have a lot of people live here also from the Dominican Republic, for example, I do have uh, some collectors that focus on Dominican players and stuff like that. Jordan asks, will we get to see some of your favorite MJ cards from your collection? Not yet. I, <laughs> I do, I do. I, I did brought a couple. 
All right, awesome, awesome. Trigger Finger wants to know, are eBay and other online platforms popular in Puerto Rico as well? Very, very popular, especially because during, like I mentioned earlier, during the late, uh, early 2000s, a lot of the local shops closed. Uh, I can probably say that I went from having 20 different shops within an hour from my house to in between 1992 and 1997 to having two shops by 2003. And how many are there um, now? Like how many competitors do you have on, on the island? Right now, basically I'm the only one that's uh, working sports cards seriously. Uh, there's a couple of other stores that uh, are starting to bring uh, packs and starting to bring do a little bit of uh, singles, but they're more doing it like a side thing, you know, like, hey, well, why not sell it? You know, if it's going to sell, why not bring it to the store, basically? How did you come to open up your shop in the first place? That was, that's an interesting story. Let's hear so it. So the owner of the shop that I am basically operating now, he was one of the long, he was the longest, the last shop remaining from my, from when I was a kid. I've known him since I was about 15, 14, 15 years old. So before this shop, I had a trading card a shop that focused on trading card games. We basically did uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, and just focus on running tournaments, activities, running events for kids, stuff like that. So I opened my shop right next to him, and we got talking. And I told him, look, uh, I know that we share a little bit of the market. I'm not going to be your competition you know i respect you a lot i've known you since i was a kid so i'm not gonna be br bringing any sports cards or anything and about a year and a half later he calls me up to the back of his shop and he says well i'm gonna retire i'm gonna be having uh, another granddaughter so i want to go move to texas with them and i want you to keep the shop to keep the shop basically you know and i was like what do you mean keep the shop <laughs> and he told me look I don't want to close the shop. It's basically the only shop in the island that's working this type of stuff right now. And well, we discussed a price and he basically told me, well, you, you don't need to pay me in full right now. Uh, we'll do uh, small payment plans every month. And here's the keys to the shop. It's all yours. You know, it, it's a pretty wild story, you know, because basically it, it involved a lot of trust uh, from both parts, you know, he left me his whole stock and all of his collection along with it. So it was a pretty, pretty big deal. You know, how, many, uh, how many years were left on the lease? Uh, he had just renewed the lease for three years. So basically, I'm going to be starting my third year in next month. Okay, so he did. He did have a lease. I mean, it sounds like a very nice man. I'm not taking anything yeah. away from that, but he did have a lease that he would have had to have uh, dealt with. Yeah. So. So by so it kind of works out for both of you, but really nice to the trust on the on the payment uh, the deferred oh, yeah. payment plan is very nice. Yeah, for sure. That's a cool story, Frankie. I love it. Yeah. I love it. When you said he left you his inventory and his collection, was there anything that you put from his collection into your own personal collection? I did a few of the cards, uh, but actually they were almost just lower end cards, uh, MJ cards from smaller sets that I was missing. Okay. So there was there was nothing really big. All the big cards that he left behind, you know, I thought, you know, uh, that's for sale. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to keep them. It's not the time yet, you know. <laughs>
So you you filled out you filled in some binder uh, binder pages sort of thing. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike Zier says he sold his first ever football card to Puerto Rico this year. He was surprised because does baseball a ton, but never football. So yeah. that's kind of cool to hear. Jordan with the all oh, I I I think Jordan has like a slot machine, <laughs> and what comes up is a question because he has. I don't know where you – he's got an endless supply of questions, Jordan. Another good I like one. that. I like that. If you could go back to when you first opened your shop, so two to three years ago, would you do anything differently? Uh, yes, I would. Uh, basically, get a place with a bigger storage. <laughs> there you go. Interesting. Interesting. That, that, that's a – that's such a like pragmatic answer too. You know, it makes just makes so much sense. But you didn't really choose your location, so no, I didn't yeah. really choose the location. I did talk with the with the lease owner, you know, and he did re relocate me to a better place. Uh, the store was a little bit bigger on the front end, but on the back end and the storage space, that was, you know, I lost a couple of of square space that. Right. <laughs> Jordan says, so sorry, Jeremy, I'll see myself out. Hey, that was, I keep just going, keep going. I'm constantly impressed, Jordan. Um, and I mean that. Uh, okay. I had a, oh, st I was curious about staffing and like how many employees do you have? And has, have you ever had any trust issues with anybody? Uh, right now I have uh, four or five other employees at the store. Uh, thankfully, no, I don't have any trust issues with any of them. Uh, you know, they're great. Uh, they're great employees right now. They learn, uh, really, really fast, you know, and it's been great. You know, they're, I, on that front, I haven't had any issues and hopefully I won't have it either. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Waxel, welcome says lots of great boxing stars from Puerto Rico. Does that translate to any boxing cards in the shop? Uh, no, actually, there aren't any boxing cards in the shop. I do have a lot of boxing memorabilia, though. I do have a lot of signed gloves, for example, and signed photos. It's interesting because that at least that type of collector, the boxing collector, actually prefers the boxing memorabilia than actual cards. Which is doesn't surprise me you know it doesn't surprise yeah. me because boxing cards are there's definitely a niche there but you see even at the national you see so many autographed boxing gloves you know that's something mm -hmm. that you just see a lot of so i'm, I'm not too surprised uh, about that uh okay uh what, i had somewhere to go here oh yeah chris hayes i've sold some mjs to puerto rico wondering if that was to frankie do you buy could a lot be, of stuff yeah you buy a lot of stuff on ebay I do. I basically browse eBay about five times a day. So I'm always looking for my watch list and always looking for new stuff to pop up. Same here, man. Same. Here. Mike Wick says, I've always wanted to open up a sports card shop. Are there any tips you would give anyone opening up a new one? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, first, you need to educate yourself. Uh, educate yourself on the product. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that I've had is getting packs into the store. And this is basically something that's affecting the whole industry. You know, as I started to learn more and more and more, basically a lot of distributors will sell wax at market price to new stores. And you have to buy at market price for a few years before they start considering you for pre-sales and pre-sale prices. It's 
incredibly hard because at the end of the time at the end of the day the store needs to make a profit and like i told at one point one of my representatives i told look i want to keep buying from you you know because i do want to get to that point of being on the pre-sale list but at the same time i need to make a profit and some of the product i can find it cheaper on ebay or facebook groups than what you're selling it to me you know and it's incredibly challenging so you have to be very creative with it and the other thing that i would say is don't focus on just one thing especially if you have a nice location where you got a lot of foot traffic if you can sell trading card games get those in stock you know those are a lot easier to get in stock than than sports cards right now uh if you have a market for toys get a couple of them in stock but definitely educate yourself not everything is worth the time and money to bring it to the store good advice good advice uh, so jordan proven my point here i, I swear <laughs> and i have to thank i have to thank you because yeah. you're, you're providing us wonderful content jordan Frankie, are you willing to share your best and worst sports card purchases? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, my best purchase so far has definitely been the Jordan Star XRC rookie card. Uh, I, that was my number one grail card on my list. I know a lot of people would have PMGs or other high autograph cards and stuff like that, but I really wanted the XRC 101 uh, because it was basically the card as a kid that I couldn't have. My worst purchase, uh, well, at some point, for some weird reason, I thought Darius Miles was going to be something in the league. You weren't alone. <laughs> I, right, I know, right? So I did purchase uh, an autographed rookie card of him when he, when he was a rookie. Needless to say, the card is worth a lot, a lot, and a lot less. <laughs> That's right now. Don't want to pay for it, but you know what? I still have it. So, yeah, do you? Well, you know I what? <laughs> we all need our initiation. You know, everyone has a story like that, which is why yeah. Jordan asks it because he knows everyone has a story like that, even even the pros, even the shop owners. So, uh, pick four guy says, Is hockey a sport in PR? Nope. Pretty hard to maintain an ice skate yeah. run here in the ice. <laughs> And the next one, another. See, Jordan keep keeps proving my point. But another fun question: How many saved searches do you have on eBay? If you even know, he asked me this once, and I like literally yeah. had to count. And which are your favorites? Uh, right now, I trimmed them down actually last week to focus on some specific sets and cards. So right now, I got about twelve. Oh, that's um, that's a low number. It is. I mean, I had at one point I, I had around seventy-five. Yeah, but that's but where I am. But I was like, look, I'm not going to be able to buy everything at the same time. So let me just focus on some of the stuff that I really, really want to get in first. And then, you know, every now and then still I find myself browsing that other stuff, you know, and seeing if anything pops up. But right now I'm trying to focus on about 12 different sets. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit more about, and the chat has been really interested in what things are like in in puerto rico and so that that's super cool i want to know i want to hear more about the collector community there like are there is there a trade night is there a, a facebook group is there is there a night where you know that hey you know the regulars are all going to come into the shop or are you the hangout spot for people can you speak a bit about that collector community is do they all know each other or is there too many or just go from there, please? 
Well, the community here uh, is actually very large. Uh, one of the things that actually help the local community is that a lot of people living in the continental US, well, they basically feed cards to the people here on the island. You know, they have access to more wax from either Target or Walmart or stuff like that, or they have access to a local card shop that they can purchase or trade for some cards that local collectors might not be able to get here. Now, overall, uh, when I was a collector in the 90s, I was pretty low key in that sense that not many people knew that I had uh, the MJ collection. And during the 2000s, I took a little bit of time off from the local community to focus on my university and my studies. So a lot of it basically has moved to Facebook groups and to Instagram. Uh, there's a lot of, there's two pretty big groups here of local collectors and we're trying to get organized. You know, I've seen them trying to see, to get shows going and stuff like that. And I, I've been watching, uh, I've been keeping my distance a little bit though, uh, because basically I don't want to scare them off. You know, I want to see the dynamics first, how they, what cards are they they're interested in, how, are they buying? How are they trading? I have met a lot of the local collectors though, and they're great, you know. And once they see the Jordan cards and once they walk into the shop, they were like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, people were still collecting these. And I've only bought through Facebook or eBay. So hopefully I'm working on getting a trade night organized. Uh, it's something that I wanna do at least once a month. I'm actually pretty excited to go to nationals and see the trade night at nationals to see how that works you know it i haven't been to a trade night myself and the last show that i went to locally probably was about 20 years ago so my memory of what a show is i know it's not what it's gonna be happening right now yeah you know, so i need to educate myself a little bit on that before i can implement those those ideas here on the island i want to talk about the national with you it is on our agenda but uh, Jordan keeps on keeps on firing <laughs> questions at us that are like ten minute questions, especially when he adds the and why. So let but let's go through them because they're all they're all good questions. Yeah. So the first one: How have your buying habits in the hobby changed over the past couple of years? So we'll start with you. Well, the last year in particular, I slowed down a lot. You know, with the growth of the hobby and the price explosions and the incredible growth that we've seen. When I see huge growth on like that from, you know, basically overnight almost, I usually take a step back. I don't go crazy. I still focus on what I want to get, but I keep a closer eye on the prices. And once a card reaches a certain price, it basically moves, so, moves lower on the list. You know, I do have a price point for each card that I, I'm willing to pay. And if the cards goes, 2x, 3x, 5x, then, you know, that's basically bumped down to the list and, you know, on to the next one. That's, that's a great answer. Better better than and more well thought out than my answer because my answer is really that my buying habits haven't really changed over the past couple of years. My buying habits haven't really changed over the past 20 years. I'm just always, I'm always buying. And it's not like I'm buying a card every 10 minutes. That's not what I mean. I mean that I'm always on the lookout for cards that interest me and when they when I find one, I make a play at it. You know, if, if the money makes sense, if I have the money, if the price makes sense to me, if I if I if the card fits into one of my many PCs, mm -hmm. I uh, I buy. So I can go. I can go. The most I'll ever go really without buying a card is maybe three or four weeks, if if that can even happen. But I'm I'm usually buying 
you know, a couple, couple, a few cards a week. Some sometimes yeah. if it's a if there's a night where you know PWCC is, has their auction ending and there's like I could buy eight cards that night, you know. So I really don't go more than a month because pretty much buy something from them every month from um, from their auction because they just have so many great cards um, on their eBay auctions, and I can't resist. Um, so mine hasn't really changed much. It never really has, though. His next question, is there something you collect today that surprises you? Baseball. Yeah, yeah for you, baseball? Baseball, you never yeah. yeah. I basically started collecting baseball once I opened the store. For me, it would be all the non-sport, the uh, the vintage music in Hollywood and historical figure cards. I, I didn't uh, didn't see it coming, and then it just kind of hit me in the hit me hard up the side of the head, and and it's uh, I I I've, I love it, I love it, and I'm and I all the cards I have are the same ones I've had for a while. I'm gonna have a bunch arrive here very soon because they've just been accumulating at my uh, my U.S. mailing address. And his uh, not his last question, but the last one of this bunch. Uh, if you were in charge of choosing a location for a big show outside of North America, where would you hold the show and why? Outside of North America, that's that's actually a tough question because I really don't know how the market is in Mexico, for example, or, or other big Latin American countries. Uh, I do know I can speak a little bit if, from the experience of the trading card games. I When I was... Uh, when I was a judge for the Magic the Gathering trading card game, I had the chance to meet a lot of uh, other judges and players from Mexico, uh, Venezuela, from Argentina. And basically one of the biggest challenges they had was that a lot of the pro of that this product is basically considered a luxury. So the tax rate for the items to get into the country were incredibly high. Uh, one of the one of the local judges, I think, if I remember correctly, I think he was either from Argentina or from Uruguay. Magic the Gathering booster packs here in the U.S. are like four dollars or fifty for a booster pack. They start at fifteen dollars over there, just because of the added value of the VAT import and you know and the taxes and luxury taxes and all like that. So I really don't know how big the scene is. On the other countries, I know we have a lot of international collectors like Rodman, for example. Uh, he's been here also in the show, and I know he he travels a lot to the U.S. So I don't know. I I wouldn't. I don't know if Puerto Rico would be a good choice. I mean, we definitely could get a lot of uh, people from the U.S. in here a lot easier than other countries. So yeah. maybe that could work. Uh, I would go with uh, one of the Asian countries, uh, whether it's you know somewhere uh, China or. Uh, Japan or Singapore, Probably Japan, yeah, Japan, somewhere where there's just lots of collectors. That would be my reason, or Australia, uh, because that would be a fun destination place to go as yeah, well. I've been, there. I've been to Australia uh, 30, 30 years ago, and I would love to go back. So that would be my reason. So I could go back to Australia, have it in Sydney or somewhere like that. Uh, Kyle Brown says earlier you mentioned your autograph PC and that you have started to be more selective with it. What type of cards do you try to target? I try to target uh, on-card autographs. That's basically one of the things that I like the most. Uh, I'm not a fan of sticker autographs at all, uh, basically because I don't think that that they're that personal. You know, part of knowing that you get you're getting an autograph card, an on-card autograph card, is knowing that the player actually at one point 
held that card or touched it, you know, to sign the card. So it, it has, adds that little extra layer of, you know, making it a little bit more personal. Uh, with sticker autographs, you don't get, I don't get that same feeling at least. So uh, from the modern stuff, I don't do a lot of the newer autograph because if they're in, on a sticker, they're not doing it for me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And the stickers just don't look as nice on cards in most cases, you know. Yeah. Um, I've heard arguments, though, that, hey, it's still an autograph. And it is. It, it's still the player still put that ink yeah. to that surface, but it's not on the the card itself. It's on the sticker, though. So it's a it's a distinction, but I, I still like on card, too. But for me, it's yeah. more because of the aesthetics than it is the the connection but okay let's i'm gonna run through a bunch of uh, a bunch of these comments here that are kind of just about jordan and his and his questions uh jordan hope you don't mind but let's just run through they're fun the uh, hockey guy says need to get jordan as a guest for after hours so we can ask him the questions yeah. which i think is funny jordan says that would be fun we got a good one and then uh waxel says i think jordan runs a temp agency <laughs> to which jordan says why do you say that interview type questions and i'm going to say it's the it's not that these would be questions you'd ask in an interview but it's the way with which they're asked and i agree with that they're they're very like they're because there's they're straight into the point like jordan's not wasting words he's getting to the point of his question he knows what he wants to ask and he's asking it okay i wanted to come back up to uh this one here's a jordan jordan Riker asks how do you balance data versus emotion when making purchasing decisions? That's a really good question. It is. It's a really good question. Uh, a few years ago, I usually would oh, let my emotions. And why? And why? And Just why? Kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I would usually let my emotions, you know, do what I call an impulse buy. Uh, over the years, I've gotten a lot better at not doing that. <laughs> You know, and actually when a card pops up that I really want, I would just usually just went and just hit it by now, you know, and that's it. Get the card. Now I'm a little bit more skeptical. I look at the photos, if the, especially if the card is not graded. If the card is not graded, I try to get uh, pictures of it, a little bit better pictures. I ask the seller questions, you know, is there any visible damage, you know, and I'm not expecting a PSA 10 when I buy a raw card. But I do like to know if the card has a damage, a dent, for example, or if it has a crease, or if it's been peeling, just because that's gonna affect the way of how much I'm gonna I'm gonna offer for that card, you know. Uh, so data, usually right now I'm pretty good at you know sticking to data more than emotions. So hopefully that helps. So okay, I'll, I'll throw my take at it. So I'm I'm pretty much, I want to say I'm like I'm all emotion, yeah. but I'm I'm emotion that is based on uh, nostalgia, but not just for like a connection to the player, but a connection to the card itself. But I do look at data, you know, I do look at it. So emotion drives the the desire to own something for me, and then I look at the data to find out where I want to be on the card as far as price paid. But making the, the the question that Jordan asked is making the purchase decision. It's like emotion makes the decision that I want to buy the card. And then it comes down to business. What am I exactly. willing to pay for the card so that I'm not going to, you know, 
so I can minimize my 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 you know you want to pay as well as you can on things without yeah. doing wrong by the seller. So that's that's really how it is for me. But I do check comps, of course I do. You're silly not to. You need to know what cards are selling for. But then sometimes I'm sometimes it's like I will say, you know what, the comps are too high based on my yeah. gut, my gut feel, my personal assessment. So I might just wait or find yeah, definitely. Yeah, or find alternative. Or I'll feel that, hey, I'm willing to pay more than comp because it's a rare card and I really want it. And I will do that. And I have done that numerous times. So, Yeah, I would say that the, the one time that emotion always wins is if I find the last card of a set that I need to finish. If it's the last card that I need to finish that set, I don't care if I'm overpaying. I'm just hitting buy it now and that's it. You know, let's get this over with. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's that's the price of you're paying for two things, three things. You're paying for the card, you're paying, you're paying for the satisfaction of finishing the set, and you're also paying for all the time you're going to save in the future. Exactly, deleting that save search as well. So yeah, makes sense. Joe says that Frankie is on the front lines of the hobby. This is real talk, which is certainly certainly is. Oh boy, you guys have been uh, very active in the chat, and I, I will admit to Jordan's earlier comment, I am I am getting tired, but we're still going. We're still going here. Uh, Jordan's this is a good question, Jordan. How do you both decide when to take a loss on a card? And that's gonna depend largely on the card. For example, I'll give an example. I'm willing to overpay for basically any Mickey Mantle card. That simple. Now, if I'm taking a loss now on Mickey Mantle cards, that's okay because they're going in a box. But know? I think when – so let me rephrase the question for you, Frankie. When do you decide that, you know what, I paid too much for this card and I'm going to just get as much money as I'm going to realize my loss, like your Darius Miles yeah. card. You know, if you sell that, you're going to lock in a loss. Yeah. So. Even in your in your store, in your, for your business, when do you decide that you know I bought this card to sell it in the store, and now it's come it's come down. Maybe it's going to keep on coming down. We don't really know. But when do you decide to say, okay, I'm just going to get what I can out of it and move on? Well, it's going to depend on the player and the card, really, uh, because some cards, even if you overpay for them, or let's say you you bought them at fair market value and they just the player you know didn't pan out and they started going down then you just basically have to sell the card as quickly as possible. Yeah. Now, if it's a rare card of that player, maybe you can hold off because even if uh, we see this with 90 sets, for example, we see this a lot that sometimes it's a Kerry Kittles card from a really, really rare set that probably was valued at $20, $30, $50 back then, and now it's a $5 card. But to the right collector, you may want you may want to hold the card and actually get at least fifteen twenty dollars. So there's basically never a good time to take a loss. You know, sometimes you just as a store owner, you just gotta move inventory and you gotta you know put the money, keep the money coming in and out, and you just gotta keep bringing in new stuff. You know, you can't be afraid to lose. That's definitely something that you need to learn. Yeah, you have to you have to take your knocks here and there. I'll I'll try and throw a quick answer at it. So for me, it's going to be two different answers. One is, am I selling a card for my personal collection that has gone down in value, or number two, am I selling a card that is from my 
my inventory collector, my, 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 my card show inventory. So if it's from my personal collection, number one, I have to no longer want that card for whatever reason. And then I'm going to I'll sell it. I, I, that happens all the time. Yeah. It just does, especially on PC cards that you bought out of emotion and love. Yeah. If the card that I bought is inventory and the same thing is happening, it's coming down in value. Well, then it's like, I'm going to sell it when I, when I have the motivation to go through the sales pr process and or if there's something better I can do with the proceeds I will receive because the loss mm -hmm. is the loss. You're going to take it, but you can, you can lose on one card, it's buy something else you have a good feeling on and then make that money back somewhere else. And that's what it's really important to move cards. It, 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 it is. Just, they got to keep moving. Basically, you got to reinvest that capital into something that will generate income from that capital. So that's what I would say to that. But great question. Oh, boy. Mike Wick wants to know uh, what percent of your sales come from online uh, versus at the store? Online right now, uh, I would say about 35 percent online. You know, but that's basically because I don't have enough employees to actually run all the sto the online stores. Uh, right now, I'm working eBay and I'm working other venues uh, for the trading cards also. So trading cards, for example, uh, a lot of the sales are online. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of TCG Player. It's basically a dedicated website for trading card games. And I have probably over the years over 60,000 sales on that platform as opposed to eBay where I have about 16,000. It's still a lot of sales on eBay and on TCG Player, you know, if you combine them. But a lot of the sales for sports cars, at least right now, they're going in store. Okay. Well, yeah. Makes sense. 35% online is, I think that's like the perfect mix. It just yeah. feels like the perfect mix for me because that just also tells me how much time you have to spend on online as well, right? And how much of your employees' time you're allocating to that. Hockey Guy says, my favorite thought process when looking at cards is... I like it, but I don't like it dollar amount worth. I don't like what it's worth. Yeah, that's you have, you have to go through that that thought process yeah. for sure, for sure. Uh, Jordan says, I'm human. I'd be worried if you weren't tired. Thank you, Jordan. Goes on to ask, and, and okay, let's see. This one, I like this question. How do you balance visual appeal versus set significance, i.e., do you prefer cards as art or cards that are more relevant to other collectors? Oh, boy. That's a great question. Uh, I would say card has art right now. Uh, and I'll give you the best example. Uh, the Luka Doncic rookie that I showed earlier, this one. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, I decided on this one with the help of Christina. And because I don't want a base prism rookie of Luka because I think the card has been overexposed over and over and over and over again you know and it's i see a base prism luca rookie and i'm like well there's another one you know it's, it doesn't have that appeal so uh, i'm gonna look for cards that look good that have a good feel and that have that unique you know style that calls to me yeah, I mean, I love that card, by the way. And it's funny, I'm just kind of snickering because the, the Luca base prism is the card that it's it's the it, it's it's 
it's how we're going to remember the era is that is the yeah. card you know it's not the zion it's it's nope. not the Giannis from 2013 which i know no, is it's luca it's not the tray it's luca luca is the card that we always talk about when we want to when we want to communicate uh over popular high populations let's say over printing i don't want to say over printing because but i said it but yeah you know what I'm getting. Overhype, overhype, definitely. Overhype, sure, sure. Triggerfinger says, are graded cards as popular in Puerto Rico as they are in the U.S., or are raw cards still just as popular there? Uh, graded cards are very popular here. Uh, you know, everybody that comes into the store wants to know about the grading process and about how to get the cards graded. And it's very interesting because I remember the episode when you had Nat, and he was saying, like, it's up to store owners to actually try to filter a little bit of the stuff that's getting to the grading companies. So they, you know, help with the backlog. Don't, don't try to accumulate more backlog. And that's something that I'm very, very strict, not only with cards, but also with coins, for example. When I get a collector that's, oh, I wanna certify this coin, the first thing I'm gonna tell them is, look, the cost, it's gonna cost you this much. And my pre-evaluation of the item you're not going to make your money back on the grading on just on the grading fees. So I wouldn't send this. If you still want to send it, don't send it right now that it's going to cost you 200 or $300 to send the card. Wait until you can get a bulk submission in, but the downsides you're going to be waiting for a year. You know, are you going to remember the item a year from now? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's the right advice to give. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Joe wants to know, can we support you by purchasing from any particular platform? Do you have a eBay store or a ComC account, that kind of thing? I do have a ComC account. Yes, it's under the same name, Frankie3500. Nice and simple. Yep, nice and simple. Nice and simple. Here, let's put back on. There's a, There's Frankie's Instagram, everybody. If you're not yet following him, throw a follow his way. It's a, it's a good one. I, I promise you that. Uh, Trevor, good evening and welcome. Says, good evening. It's been a while. Love these late nights. Great to have you. Great to have you. Jordan liked your answer to, to that, to the, the uh, eye appeal or the, the, the visual appeal versus the uh, significance of the set. I don't think I answered that, but that's fine. Let's keep on going. We'll leave that one with you. And then um, this is a great question because it's going to segue into our next topic, which is uh, what are each of your goals for the national? I want to talk about the national. Let's get excited. So let's start with his question. What are your goals for the national? I want to meet as many people as possible first. You know, I want to shake the hands of every collector and everybody that I've interacted through Instagram, Facebook and stuff like that. I am excited about the cards, but I'm more excited about actually sharing and spending some time with other collectors. So you just answered my question. One of my questions was, what are you most excited for? Which you answered yeah. and you also answered Jordan question. So uh, yeah, for me, Jordan and everybody, you know, I'm, I don't I really have any goals, but my mission, if I can put it that way, is just the same as Frankie's meet as many people that I have interacted with over the past, um, you know, year and a half to two years that I haven't met yet in person that's that's my mission um and you know as far as like this cards themselves i definitely want to buy at least one really good card that's going to make me um very happy to 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 own and look at for a long time so at least one 
<clears throat> I don't know what that card. I don't know what athlete, what sport, what year, what era. I know nothing about it. I collect everything from everything, so it might. It could be. It could be a. Uh, a baseball card from the 50s or it could be a hockey card from the 2010s uh, or something else in between. I don't know. But staying on the topic of the National Frankie, yeah. is this going to be your first one or have you been before? This is going to be my first one. So I'm pretty hyped, up, hyped for it. Uh, it's going to be my first one and it's going to be my first show in about 20 years. So needless to say that I'm really, really excited and really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. Same here. I, it's exciting. I'm excited for you to go for the first time. You know, it's like I remember this is so such an I don't know why my maybe it's late and I'm getting tired, but the TV show Entourage, when that show first came out, I loved it and I watched it from start to finish. You know, I think I started a few seasons late, so I got caught up and then I was on, on the regular timing of it, the regular schedule, and I watched it. And then at the end of it, I remember a friend of mine hadn't ever seen it and they were able to. I was so I was like jealous that they got to watch it for the first time again. So I'm kind of like that's what went yeah. in my mind. Like I'm excited for you to go witness this spectacle that the national is for the first time. And it's it's always a spectacle, even in yeah. down years. It's still a great event, you know. But this year, I mean, I'm excited for myself too because this is going to oh, be, yeah. you know, it's going to be just uh, it's going to be so much fun. But um, I'm I'm excited for you to see this one as your first time. That's going to be. Is there are there any specific cards you are looking for or nothing really? I'm still working on that list. Uh, I don't know if I want to go for one really big card or try to find several you know smaller cards and just get some sets done and finish. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm I'm going with the same mentality as you. You know, I don't, I I'm no one buying something. I don't know what it is yet. But I'm no, I'm definitely buying. Yeah. Uh, Jordan wants to know if we decided where we'll be eating dinner each night. Uh, no, not each night, but there not are yet. there are there, there, there are plans. There are some plans happening, that's for sure. And uh, it's yep, there are some things happening that, uh, but you know, there there anyway. But not every night. Uh, Jordan wants to know: Will you both be signing autographs at the show? <laughs> Frankie, you signing at the TriStar Pavilion, or where are you signing? Uh, no, probably at the lobby of the hotel. <laughs> yeah. He, Jordan asked any specific cards in mind that you would buy immediately if you saw at the first table upon entering the show, willing to share that card. There is one that I've been hunting down for about three or four years now. It is a 1952 hoops metal prototype of Michael Jordan. Cool. How are there like what's the print run? Do you know? I don't know, but there are not many of them. Uh, the car is actually made on a sheet of metal, and it was supposed to be a promotion. And the car was supposed to be included in, I if I remember correctly, it was a a low a loaf of bread in the bag of loaves of bread. But then they realized that the cards were actually too sharp and could actually get people cut or hurt people, so they pulled the promotion. Oh wow. So a very rare piece then, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip to hockey guy. says, Jeremy, you should pre-sign a sheet of Avery labels <laughs> to hand out when people ask for one. So these are Avery labels. Are these too small? Like, imagine how many I could, how much money I'd save on Avery labels if I signed them this small. Like, that's the size of my finger. And they're, you know. <laughs> right. I'm sure, I'm sure that'll go over very well. Uh, Joe's Chicago Pizza. Yeah, hope to have some of that. Joe would buy the Larry Doby Leaf Rookie card. That's a nice card. 
I read your mind, Jordan. I actually did read your mind on that one. Trigger finger says, how much coffee are you drinking, Jordan? I can't keep up with you. <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. I it's he's he's feeding content my way, mine and Frankie's way with a very good question. So uh Logan, yes, we are. Logan, myself, and Slipka, we're all going to White Castle. That, but that's not dinner, Logan. That's gonna be a lunch one day, right? That's a lunchtime. We're gonna run run out of the show for half an hour and go grab White Castle as much as we can eat for sure. Uh hockey guy, the way some players sign, they could fit on those stickers. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, the national man, I, for me, there's nothing that, well, to Jordan's question, you know, Frankie, like I, it happened to me last 2019, I walked into the show and one of the first tables I looked at had a card and I bought it right away. It was cheap. It was, I paid $125 for the card. I can tell you all that an ungraded copy of it just sold a couple months ago for like 2,200 bucks. I got a BGS 9.5 for 125 nice. Yeah, it was a great card. It was a Wayne Gretzky, Essential Credentials. I forget what year, but numbered out of like, I don't know, 30-something. Um, great, great card. That That's the kind of thing I'm looking for, you know, a rare card uh, of, of a guy that is, is still somewhat affordable. Like, I'd love to say if I find one of the Jordans that I really want, like a Noise Boys, but I'm not dropping 25 grand. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not, right? So, but I'm going to take the amount of money I'm taking with me, which I'm not going to say, and I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I want to spend it all. Like I want to, I want to come, but I want to spend it wisely. You know, I want to, yeah. I want to buy cards that I'm going to love and I don't want to, I don't want to way overpay, but if it's super rare, sometimes you just have to, it's not overpaying. You're paying what you have to pay to get it, which I think is what you're willing to pay, which then becomes what it's worth. So uh, yeah, but the national, I, 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 I am so excited for it. Um, the people, the cards, the, um, it's just, it's, it's, and all the events, it's not just going to a card show from 10 AM till 6 PM or whatever the hours are. It's then all the activities in the evenings. And, um, and it's just, it's going to be so much fun for sure. For sure. Matt Jones says, thanks again for sharing nothing better than these shows. Thank you very much, Matt Jones. Great to have you deep dish or thin crust. I mean, I can do both. I'm a thin crust guy. How about you, Frankie? I can do both. You know, yeah, same here. Yeah. But the thing is, with deep dish, it's like you can eat two to three pieces. That's it. Maybe that's it. Two, and then you're full. Thin crust, I can eat like three quarters of a large a lot of the time. <laughs> Pick four says the national should be a buyer's market this year. I think I think you're you're leaning more in that direction. I know a lot of people don't think that because a lot of people think that a lot of the people, a lot of vendors won't want to sell cards because they're priced lower now than in March. And there is going to be examples of that for sure. But the national is not filled with those dealers. It's 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 just not. So okay, let me look at my notes here because we've covered we've covered so much already, Frankie. And we've the, the chat has done a great job at picking apart my notes. So now I have to yeah. like, okay, what did we miss? Um oh, I want to talk about collecting MJ because you know, oh, and show show, let's do that. Let's talk about the cards you love and let's see some of your MJ cards. Uh, I got quite a few that I brought here. So the first thing that I should, you know, I should mention is that I, I'm not a fan of any particular grading company. So I'm more of a chase the card kind of guy. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a BGS, PSA, if it's raw or whatever. I just want a copy of the card. Uh, got a couple of them that I brought out. 
This is one of them. Oh, yes. Yes, talk that's, to me. That's the golden touch. So uh, one of the other ones that I have raw, the thrill stickers. Oh, so cool. See, and I know what these cards actually look. They're not actually they're not showing up great on camera, but I know how beautiful those two cards are. Uh, they're, they're better than they look. I'll tell you guys that if you don't know yourself already. Yeah, Joe Perot says, hello, Golden Touch, no <laughs> doubt. Trigger Finger says, Gino's East Deep Dish Rules. But uh, Hockey Guy says, not all deep dishes created equal, which is true. Back to you, Frankie. Let me see if this one focuses a little bit more. Ooh. Flare Showcase. This is a legacy out of 100. Oh. Uh, and we what got year another. is that one? What year is that legacy? The first one is from the first year. This is from the second year of the set. So that was 96, and this is 97? This is 97, yeah. Uh, some of the die-cut cards, they just look amazing. You know, they made great cards back then. I have that exact so, card in that exact grade. They, it just looks incredibly good in person, you know. Do I have it right here, actually? Is that card in Card Ladder? Yes, it is. If it yes, is, it I is. If it is, I don't have it here. It's secured away. It's... Uh, uh let's see and of course you know this is i had to bring it out for the show so that's one that i bid on tonight on the memory lane auction from the dr newman collection uh i don't know if i if i own it i hope i hope i hope you do you know and this <laughs> let's see if you can find the subgrades i don't know if they can if i this. do it might have cut into my uh into my oh let's see those again so that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. Centering doesn't matter. Edges. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's the perfect card. That's the perfect copy. You know, I don't. I'm not even sure how it got an eight. I, I would have thought that it would get at least an eight point five. But you know what? I don't care. Who cares? That's the. That is the perfect. Great. The perfect. You're a little frozen, but I'm going to keep talking. I think I'm still going here. I think that's the three nine fives on those particular subs are exactly what I would want in that card. So, oh, we lost him. We lost Frankie. Hopefully he is able to come back. Maybe his battery died or something like that. So we'll see if he comes back. In the meantime, we'll go to your comments. Oh, he's back. I think he's back. There we go. There we go. You're back. I was just saying, Frankie, that card, it's so notoriously off-centered that it doesn't yeah. matter, right? Who cares? But when you have edges – um corners and surface especially edges and corners on that card when you have yeah. them in nine fives it's like that to me is a generous card i don't care that it's off-centered well done that's a beautiful beautiful copy i just got to go to my bids on the auction tonight it looks like i might have won oh did i high bidder yes i think i want a card tonight I think I want a card tonight, but I didn't. Oh, no. I bid on the Jordan on the PWCC Premier Auction, not on the ah, okay. not on the memory lane. But I think I want a card. I'm the current high bidder. I, it says I am. This is a card I wanted. Okay, well, we'll see. I don't know if it's over yet or not, but I'll let you guys know next time. Okay, let's see. Yeah, what else do we have here? In the, yeah, thank you guys. Let me know I'm still live. 
Jordan says, how did you have time to bid tonight in between 17 shows? <laughs> I did my bidding, I did my bidding um, like not even today. I think I bid a couple days ago and I just put in like, you know, proxy bids. So I haven't been doing any bidding today. Uh, yeah, Trigger Finger says 7.5 centering on the star. Jordan is a solid grade. Yeah, three nine fives. I mean, that's just a, that's just amazing for sure. I, I I love that card, man. What else do you want to show? Uh, let's see. I got some of the other die cut cards that I really like. Let me see. Oh, outrageous! So nice. This is actually a card that I've had in my collection for like 25 years. I just had it graded last year, came back a nine. So I was like super pumped on it. Uh, we got one, the first rubies. Oh, wow. That's really cool. For all the podcast sure. listeners, I just want to say, this is where I kind of like, you can't see the cards that Frankie's showing us, but just know he's showing us some awesome Michael Jordan card. You have to tune in to see. And one of the, this one. Oh, I have that card right too. There. The titanium. This is another card that I graded myself from my collection that I've had it, you know, for years. So it was actually one of the first cards that I graded. I sent that one in to grade along with my Fleer MJ Rookie. And those were the first two cards that I ever graded. Really? Now, it was. I was Very testing cool. out BGS. So, and the other thing that I brought out, I don't, let's see if, how many people recognize them. These are a little bit of the oddball cards that I own. I don't know what that is. This is an upper deck Japanese McDonald's card. Holy mackerel. Wow. There's three different ones. Wow. They were only released in Japan. Is there a Japanese uh, writing on the back or is it? Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Those are really, really nice. I mean, it's some of my favorite oddball cards that I own. Awesome, man. Thanks for the thanks for the show. Uh, Jordan wants to know, have you met Michael Jordan? I haven't. I haven't. I did see him play back in 1996. I visited Chicago with my father and we went to, I think it was game 68 against the Philadelphia 76ers in Chicago. And I know they won the 78 on Milwaukee while I was still there. So the next day in the city, it was insane. Everybody was celebrating. Uh, you had T-shirts already out with the 70 wins and stuff like that. So it was awesome. Right on, right on. Uh, Joe says the imperfect centering <laughs> on the Star 101 just means it's real, which I've come to learn is, is very true. It's almost yeah. like you want that card to be off-centered. Yeah. Um, I To Jordan also said, why is that the perfect grade? Because... Centering, I just as I just said, you can't expect the Star 101 XRC to be centered. Now, if you do, you find one of the needle in the haystack copies that was um, good on you. But you're but there's so many counterfeits out there of that card that you yeah. that the off centered just means it re it's real until someone counterfeits an off centered copy, which has probably happened too. But that's why you got to go graded on that card. I believe is is the rule of thumb. And PSA is only graded like eight of them ever. I believe, and they've stopped. Is that is that 
to your yeah, uh, I think they only graded about three of them. Uh, then they stopped grading star cards because uh, sadly a few of the counterfeits got through them. So in, hopefully uh, that changes and they start grading star cards again. I don't think that I would submit my cards to PSA to be graded just because I have actually I actually started graded with Beckett because they graded the star cards. So I have every single star card already graded in BGS. And I'm not gonna go through it again, you know, yeah. and, and just yeah. to switch a slab. So, so for me, it's a, again, it's a perfect grade because the centering, it's like 7.5 is just fine, but to have three nine fives on the other subs, yeah, and centering is also the only thing that you as a collector can control on a card. There's no way that you can have any type of effect over the centering of a card. Now, you can affect the edges, you can affect the surface and the yeah. corners. But once a card is printed with a certain centering, there's nothing you can do about it. So, Dave Kaplan, good evening. Welcome, welcome. Been a long day here. Uh, Jordan says, well, that green PMG Jordan is incredible with a wink. Yeah, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be incredible? Trigger Finger wants to know, how did you get that Jordan star card? That's actually one of my favorite hobby stories. I got oh, that no. card thanks to Adam, the Rio 27 guy. Uh, he had a lifelong friend that actually bought the card back in 1986. And the card basically sat down in his closet with a huge collection of cards, like... The collection had, uh, like I think it was like three different Fleer rookies. It had Magic Johnson and Larry Bird rookies, Dr. J rookies. So basically, that person purchased the card back in 1986. It sat down in that closet all the way until last year. They rediscovered the collection. They got it graded. And once they got it graded, I reached out to Adam. And, you know, he set it up. And there we go. He made it happen. So... That's the story. It's awesome, man. I remember I remember that whole process because yeah. Adam that you that whole story came through our our chat group. So Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I I'm a little bit like I'm a little uh I don't want to say I'm, I'm not jealous. I'm happy you have the card, but you know, if yeah. you didn't buy if I was onto it back then, I I would have jumped as well. So yeah. well done. Goodbye. I that's the perfect star 101 in my mind. So very, very happy for you on that card. Uh, Chris Hayes says, I pack pulled the MJ Netrageous as a kid and sold it to my LCS for 100 bucks in a box of 97 NBA hoops. Oh, yeah, that's a sad wow. face for sure. Kyle Brown says, those are some big-time cards. Yeah, yeah. Colin says, wow, the Jordan inserts are amazing. All such cool cards. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, pick four. Jeremy, do you have any soccer cards? If not, you need to get busy. I have one Mbappe sticker gold from 20, not rookie year. I have met Timu Solani, Jordan. Yes, I have. Who are your favorite sports teams, Frankie? Uh, right now, basketball, at least. Um, I actually really, really like the Boston Celtics. Uh, I've been a fan of the team, you know, for a long time. And baseball-wise... Uh, baseball, I just enjoy the sport. I don't have a favorite team. Yeah. Sounds good. And Jordan, uh, shout out to Adam, one of the goats of the hobby. He'll be miss missing the show. So, Jordan, will you be at the National? Let us know in the comments, please. And if I'm asking that to everybody in the chat, actually. Who in the chat is going to be at the National? Let us know if you're going to be there. 
That'll just add more excitement for all of us, for sure. Okay, back to my notes here, Frankie. We've, man, we've covered a lot. I mean, we were going to talk about, well, we've talked about our collecting over the last year. We've talked about the importance of patience. We haven't just, we just haven't talked about the future of the hobby yet and thoughts for that. We talked about the future of the hobby in Puerto Rico, but we haven't really talked about it overall. So let's go through some some of the comments that have just come in. Jordan will be at the National right on first timer. Very cool. Steve, sir, trying to make it happen. Very good. Very good. Logan will be there. Awesome. I know, Logan. We already have a <laughs> we, already, we already have a White Castle date for sure. And Trevor says, I'm going VIP. Well done, Trevor. Awesome. So future of the hobby. Like, and this is gonna be our last topic. We are we're at an hour 40. I'm actually pretty surprised <laughs> I've made it this long, Frankie. I but am Frankie, also, so I am too. So are you getting tired? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So Give us your synopsis or your general overall feeling. Obviously, the last year has been a roller coaster for many. It's been, but it's like a new ride at, at, at the fair. It's a new roller coaster. It's the biggest one ever built. And we've all gone for this ride, whether you've been on it or you've actually just been watching it. Doesn't matter. We've all experienced it in one way or another. What it, what do you see? You know, what's ahead of, what's ahead on the track? for this roller coaster that we've all well, right now i would say that the best way to describe it is i'm cautiously optimistic now that's my term no it is <laughs> it is it is but it's definitely true i mean some really big investors and companies have come into the hobby and this is people investing serious amounts of money you know and this is people that are also you know uh, used to making that money back and making a profit. So the fact that they're investing so much money on this hobby makes me feel safe that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a great, great run probably for the next five or 10 years. Uh, these are people that they're not trying to make a quick buck on it. You know, they're not investing all these millions just to sell the companies in three months. You know, they're not flippers to put it in a way. So I'm really excited for it. Uh, I am a little bit cautious, though, both as a collector and a dealer, because we really need to get uh, some of the little things fixed. Uh, the grading companies, the, the especially PSA, has been doing a great job, you know, at managing the overflow of, of basically of submissions. Uh, I am waiting for the manufacturers to actually come with some way to actually make product a little bit more affordable again and put it into the hands of as many collectors as possible. Going the retail the retail way and just basically stocking Walmart and Targets and stuff like that, it's not the only way to go. You know, there's still, you need to have entry points for all levels of the hobby. So just having a $10 blaster on Target or Walmart, it's not gonna make it. You know, you need to provide the LCS with affordable product that they can actually aim at having not only kids because it's not only kids not every adult has ten thousand dollars to get into the hobby you know from one shot so um that's that's why i'm a little bit cautious you know uh, right now i think the ball is more in the court of the manufacturers see how they manage the prices and the product releases and stuff like that but overall thumbs up yeah yeah good stuff Good stuff. I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 
it's unpredictable. That's one thing. You know, we, we don't, no one really knows for sure, but, but the, the indicators are out there, especially when you listen to the people who are aware of what's going on at the, at the infrastructure level, at the investment yeah. into the industry. Never mind just what a, what a Michael Jordan card goes for, mm-hmm. but what, how much investment like how much capital is coming is pouring in in investment yeah. to build to build out the infrastructure the industry itself that is that's very that's more encouraging than it anything I, I i think i mean that and and just participation and you know attendance at card shows um volume of volume of card shows even though it it doesn't help comps you know in a perfect world yeah. Card ladder would love if every transaction happened on eBay, but I know, right? But that's just not the way the world works, right? People, people are, you know, them and all of us, we're going to have to deal with the fact that there's a lot of off book, off, off the books deals or just unrecorded deals. But I do like the card ladder is now uh, allowing private deals to be reported on based on very strict. Uh, guidelines and which which is really really I think the the key there and um, I, I have all the trust in the world in those guys to to vet their data appropriately. So, but in any event, I kind of got off on a tangent there. But yes, I'm excited about the future of the hobby as well. I think I think most people are. I mean, we got over 50 of us in here right now. It's 2 a.m. on the East Coast, so I think uh, that says a lot right there. So. Frankie, I'm going to run through the comments. We're going to say our goodbyes. Uh, uh, so final comments from the chat, guys. Uh, and thank you for all your participation. Um, I'm going to run through them right now. So Fire Sports said, you will be at the National. That's awesome. Make sure you come say hello to me. Or if you see me, come say hello. Triggerfinger is afraid you'll spend too much money if you go to the National. It's okay. Spend the money. No, it's just okay, budget. Yeah. Budget if you can. Jahan says, uh, que paso hermano to Frankie. But then he also loves the Silver Surfer. I hope the hobby isn't stressful too much. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. Good night, Colin. Thank you very much for joining. Frankie, thank you, man. Um, It's been, it's, I mean, it's been fun. I have to say it's been fun. It's been a long day for me. This is, again, I've done six hours of shows today. This is, we're coming up on the last 15 minutes of that, so... Uh, but what what a great way to to end it off for me. I've really enjoyed it, um, and I really enjoyed the angle that the chat went of really asking all the questions about what the hobby's like in Puerto Rico and how do they collect there and what do you see. Like that's exactly what I wanted to get out of you. So, chat, you guys killed it tonight. Thank you very much. Trevor says time to buy a cunha. Logan Ward, good night to you. Will I be sleeping in tomorrow? I, I'm not through tomorrow, but I'll definitely sleep in a bit uh, for sure. Angie says, more popular, soccer or basketball in Puerto Basket, Rico? Basketball. Basketball. Thank you, Angie. Yeah. That's it, man. I think that's it. Any final words, comments from yourself, and then uh, we're done. Uh, well, I want to thank everybody uh, in the chat for all the questions, and definitely, Jeremy, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, so... It was really fun. Uh, hopefully, we can do it again sometime. And uh, I'll show you one last card from the autograph PC, just to you know, just to leave the chat. Oh God, that's a monster. That's basically my favorite autograph. So wow, that's a great look at how nice every letter, every 
letter. Every letter. That's amazing. Beautiful card. I, and I know that that's a very significant card in the hobby. So for, uh, for, for any of you looking, that's, that's not just uh, any old autograph card. Thanks for showing that. Kyle Brown, thank you very much. Jordan, thank you for all your participation. It was a fun show. Says, looking forward to this clubhouse starting right now for the next couple of hours. <laughs> not for me. I might I might just look to see what's going on, but I will definitely not be uh, starting up a room. Okay, Frankie, once again, thank you so much to the chat. Thank you all. You all know what's coming up next week. We've got the PWCC Premier Auction Ending Watch Party with the GOAT, Adam Gray. We're going to watch. It's only 66 lots versus 150 last time, so it's going to be much more consumable for everybody. Looking forward to that. And then we got Peter Pacman and Slabby Sosa joining uh, on the late show. So that's it. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Have a great week ahead. If you're looking for content tomorrow, check out thehobbypalooza.com. 12 hours of uh, consecutive streaming tomorrow by 12 different channels. That's it. Frankie, hang tight right there for one minute. Everybody else, good night. And thank you uh, for a great day and a great evening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.